I don't give a flying fuck. Save the shots. In this episode of the podcast, we go over all the games from last weekend in the Premier League. Also, we talk the modern goalkeeper, defenders playing it out from the back, what it takes to cut it as a striker in the Premier League, and me and Danny get into it again over Leeds United. Sit back, relax, crack open a cold one, it's time for Four Manks, one toffee. Uh, boys, I just want to clarify as well. Are we actually going to talk about the nation's league? No. In this podcast? No. <laughs> no. no. Thank God. <laughs> I knew we had a heart attack. <laughs> I would have loved if anyone said yes. If I hear anyone mention Iceland, Denmark or Albania, I'm fucking gone. Hey, there's a, there's a oh. massive game on Friday. Latvia against Faroe Islands. Can't wait. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're there. I don't, I, I don't understand actually why we're even considering playing our game in Albania. Oh, it's ridiculous. Hey, Uefa, fuck it off. Do you know what? Like, hang on, lads. Hang on, lads. Live from the International Space Station. Hello, Dale. <laughs> I've made it. I've made it. <laughs> what, first orbit? Absolute nightmare. I think I'm sorry. <laughs> Mate, what are you, are you filming on a, Mo- a Motorola Razor? Oh, mate. <laughs> mate. I've unearthed a laptop from about six decades ago. <laughs> That's it. Desktops then. <laughs> Dale opened up his internet browser and he's just come up with www.yieldyouporn.com. <laughs> What, wait, what's that? What's that? I've never heard of that before. Ye old you porn dot com. No, I don't mean that. Don't go on sites like that, mate. What is the agenda? What should What should we discuss first up tonight? Should we discuss the four M one C derby? Yeah, we need to talk about the uh, the derby boys. Now, should we should we gloat first, or should we let Josh vent first? Josh, Josh never got a say last week because you no. missed the old uh, podio. So, Josh, take the floor, please, mate. Uh, we started brilliantly. We started exactly how I wanted us to. Passed it around well. Took the goal really well. Bernard, of all people, wasn't expecting it. Took like took it really Great. well. Great Turned finish. it inside out. Um, and then as soon as we scored that goal, we just switched off. It's like... Like Everton of old, we get a goal and we think we can sit back and defend that against top clubs, and it's not the case. You can't you can't defend against a Man United team. Doesn't none of the Premier League teams? I don't think for that amount of time. So what was it like? Seventy minutes? Something stupid like that. You can't sit back and defend. I mean, and we proved that. Like we were just. Appalling. I think you went and scored your goal, what, like five minutes later? Couldn't even last five minutes, I don't think. I was fuming. I was I was absolutely raging, to be honest. I th- and I said this in the group chat. I thought that we actually played some half-decent stuff in the first half. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, the third goal obviously just came from the fact that we were really pressing at that point and... Our, uh, even our defensive line was so far up the pitch trying to press for that equaliser. Yeah, It was inevitable that you were going to have a couple of breaks. Cavani was sat right up there, wasn't he, waiting for it on the last man. So, um, you know what, right? On, on the flip side, I'm really pleased for him scoring his first goal in the Premier League, though, because he gets, he gets a lot of criticism. You know, Farmers League coming from France, still scored all those goals in the Champions League. That wasn't Farmers League. Scored quite a few for his country as well. Um, so, yeah, glad he's off the mark, unfortunately, against Everton. But that's always the way, and it has been all my life, where somebody's somebody's on a, a duck and then they go and score. 
But yeah, I, I don't really want to vent too much because I'm, I'm, I was absolutely raging. It ruined my weekend. <laughs> it really did. And it doesn't help when you boys are rubbing it in either. You uh, do that. You can't defend like that against top clubs, but you also can't defend like that against this current Man United side, mate. <laughs> you get punished. I think, I think for me, you, you said about being inevitable. When I saw Ducore blast that shot over the bar in like the 90th minute, I knew we were going. I knew we were going scoring another one at that point. That, that was so inevitable that that was either going to change the game two two or we were going to win three one. You 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 were just like you said. You just you just you saw the two sides of Everton there. You saw the great what we saw for the first four or five games, and then you saw last season Everton again, just collapsing yeah. the pressure. And I'll I'll move to United. Like fuck me, I didn't give us a cat and else chance. I thought Ollie was going to be gone again. He has proved me wrong again. Remains to be seen whether this one's a fluke or not. Um, I hope, we said this last week, I hope it's not a fluke and I hope that the boys do get behind him and I hope that he does turn the season around. I don't think he will, but if he does, I think a win against Hughes sat near the top of the table will definitely be the catalyst for it. Uh, international break has come at the wrong time once again. Yeah. Fucking sick of it. Absolutely sick of it. Um, Bruno's best game in about four or five months. Yeah. Quite comfortably. We look an odd game, I thought, for him. And the commentators picked up on it as well. It was a bit of a weird one. He was in a lot of uh, physical battles. Yeah. He seemed a little bit um, annoyed at times. Well, we said that. I remember when you signed Alan and we said this on the podcast. I was not looking forward to you playing us because I didn't like the thought of Alan going against Bruno. And I think they definitely had a plan to stop him. Uh, I think we looked so much better with Martial back in the team. Like he even though he's quite right to me though, no, he, he doesn't, doesn't. He doesn't look. He doesn't. But we look more. We look way more balanced with him in the team. I think that's been apparent in the Champions League as well. That we've looked. Point. He is. Yeah, he's, he is our number nine, like by number and by position. Um, now whether Cavani will take that role on eventually, while he's with us for the short time, who knows? Uh, I thought Harry Maguire had a fucking storming game. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Best game since his debut. He, he was my man of the match. For, for me, he was my man of the match because he marked Calvert-Lewin out of the game, made him non-existent, and he won that I saw. Is my internet working properly? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been around occasionally, but it's all right. I, was, I thought I was stuck in time then for a second. I was like... Oh. I think I think one controversial thing talking about Harry Maguire lads was the um, apparent penalty that we didn't get. That what are your boys' opinions on that? Because I've seen Harry's officer come out and said, "I don't think it was a penalty because maybe I pushed Pickford." Which all right, fair enough. But Pickford again has gone out and left a clumsy challenge on someone. Kept the ball in that was going out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I think if, the same way that I see any penalty happen, I always think to myself, if that's anywhere else on the pitch, what would what would happen? And I, I think in that instance, it would have been a foul. Um, I, th- I just think maybe the arm on Pickford and maybe the, maybe the referees in the VAR cut Pickford at some slack a little bit because they know what he's like. And I think that's kind of saved him. Uh, yeah, shit. In the end, so yeah, I just I think it was a penalty, but I, regardless of what Maguire did, like Pickford, he's literally swung a leg at him and booted him in the stomach. Like I don't think the issue is even about the penalty anymore. Like why is Pickford such a mad bastard? That's what I want. <laughs> he's just, he's just honestly, he just, he, he's like he's constantly just like on the edge. Yeah, like he'll make a mistake, and he's like looking at the cameras, going, laughing and stuff like that. I'll fucking do it. I'll do it again. He's just off his head. Like honestly, I you're looking at him and you're thinking, what's he going to do next? Like who've ever got next after international break? No, I don't even know. I'm pretty sure you've got a bit of a rough run coming up now. 
after us, but you just think, like, oh, what are you going to do? Like, say you have Spurs next game again. I know you've played them at the start of the season, but you're thinking to yourself, fucking hell, like, is he going to see Harry Kane running through on goal and just fucking punch him in the head or something like that? Like, what's he going to do? You just don't know what he's going to do. He's just so mad. And I think when you brought you brought a keeper in alone, I'd be dropping Pickford. I really would. I just think he is he's a fucking liability. This is the biggest problem because both his managers have, have given him a massive fucking favour. Because yeah. Southgate's come out and said that there's no competition and he's not going to drop him, which is a massive like mm-hmm. kick dick to Nick Pope. And we'll talk about them later, but Alex McCarthy at Southampton, by the yeah. way, who is the best English keeper in the league at the moment. And then Carlo, when he did drop him the week against Newcastle, but he said right before the game, don't worry, he'll be back the next game. What does that say to Olsen? Like, why have I joined? It's ridiculous, really. I just, I don't see what they they see in him unless it's something to do with his pure football inability as, as, as a goalkeeper with the ball at his feet. Mm. Yeah, his distribution. And he, but the problem is that he pulls off as many world-class saves as mistakes that he makes. So, yeah. What do you want from a goalkeeper? Do you want someone that's just going to be solid, maybe miss a few of the almost unsavable ones that Pickford might actually get to, but then they don't go the other end of the scale or they don't make those mental mistakes? Which would you rather have? Now, I think I'm right in saying that he has the highest number of goals, errors leading to goals out of any other goalkeeper in the league. Now, if if you've got ambitions of top six, top four, you can't have a goalkeeper like that. And and as a national team, I know we're saying we're not really going to mention it much, but at the same time, like, he's he's going to be our hopes for the Euros next year, if it goes ahead, and <laughs> the World Cup in 2022. Now, we've got a team, a squad of incredible world-class players on their day. And, and I think a squad, man for man, equally as good as some of the best in the world. Belgium, France, Germany, possibly, Spain, possibly. We're better than Brazil. We're better than any South American team. So are we really going to put our hopes as a nation on someone that makes so many stupid mistakes? And I just don't understand the thinking behind either of the managers so publicly backing him. Unless it's almost like a last chance, right? Well, I'm going to give him that final bit of confidence by coming out in the media, and maybe, maybe Southgate's spoken to Ancelotti, and maybe they've said, "Do you know what? Let's both come out publicly back him. If he carries on, then even after publicly backing him, we've he's still not performed or, or changed his ways. So then we've got no choice other than to, to drop him. And if he carries on, that's what's going to happen. I think." I- where I don't know where you all stand on this modern goalkeeper shape, but if Pickford's distribution has got anything to do with him keeping his space in the Everton and the England team, get the fuck out. Right, you're a goalkeeper, save shots. Mm. That's, that, that is all you are there to do, save yeah. shots. I couldn't give a fuck how good you are with the ball at your feet. I couldn't give a fuck if you could pick a 70 fucking yard pass. To, to someone on the right wing near the corner flag on the other end of the pitch, save shots, then get good mm. at the other areas of the game. It's like yeah. this weird obsession we've got at the moment in the Premier League with, with ball playing defenders, defenders yeah, attacking right out of the back. Fucking defend, just defend first. Everything else can come afterwards. I'm not asked about you spreading the ball across the back four, looking for a good route into midfield. Get the fucking ball out and defend. And if you're good enough to play the ball across the back, fantastic but there's very few defenders in the world who are good enough to do that and have not even the confidence to do it but you've got to be cool under pressure you've got to be seriously cool under pressure to to be able to handle to be able to handle strikers bearing down on you like that and it's the same with the goalkeepers save shots as a goalkeeper defenders a defender Mm. it's all i want from you it's all i want from those positions anything else is a bonus yeah i mean I, i i completely agree with you chris as a, as a goalkeeper, all I'm looking for really is your number one job is to keep the ball from going in the fucking net. Save the shots. Save the, I, I, I don't care if you can pick out a pass in 60 yards in front of you. You know, 
I don't give a flying fuck. Save yeah. the shots. But I think I think Pickford. What I would uh, what I would say is those sort of split decision moments is where he has no he, he just does not make the right decisions whatsoever. And I think that's part of some of the errors, mistakes that have incurred while he's while he's while he's been keeper for Everton or England. Um, also, I think it's how old, I mean, how old is he? Is he still young, early twenties? Who's at the MotoGP? What was that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got got the window open, pal. I've got the window open. Valentino <laughs> 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 Rossi. <laughs> Fucking reddish Grand Prix in the background. What's going on? <laughs> I completely agree with you, boys. For me, goalkeepers got to be making saves, and I'm going to draw comparisons now to uh, Mark Andre to Stegen for mm. Barcelona. Now he's an incredible shot stopper; he's absolutely amazing. But in that Spanish league, that's where all this passing at the back started. Yeah. Back in the day, knocking it along the back line, Barcelona used to do it for fun, and it was at a time where people didn't really know how to handle it. They used to stand so far off the defensive line that they had the time to do it in the Spanish league. But you'll notice these days that they don't do it, not as much anyway, because they clocked onto it with Barcelona doing it so often that they used to push their front line and press the defensive line and the goalkeeper. And it happened with Victor Valdez back in the day. He used to cock up quite often with that passing it around because he wasn't confident enough on the ball or he wasn't good enough on the ball that they would start to concede daft goals. And for some reason, in the English game, we've started to adapt this passing it along the back line, like they used to do in the Spanish League. But you can't afford to do it in the Premier League because the, the forwards do press. Mm. There's a lot of wing forwards now. Man United and Everton have both got usually three up the front. You've got a left and a right winger and a, and a number nine. And you really think you're going to get like, you know, 20, 30 seconds on the ball. You're not. You, as soon as you get that ball to feet, somebody is going to be on you within two seconds, yeah. three seconds. You can't mess around with it at the back. Yeah. I think if, if your goalkeeper can distribute it, I don't care if it's accurate, just kick it past the halfway line where it's out of danger and, and make saves. Yeah. I, I don't want him to, you know, if he can, great. But I don't, I'm not really that arsed if he can pick a pass out. Mm. 70 yards upfield and get it to feet. See, I'm being like, complete, I'm complete disagreement with you boys. I'm in complete and utter disagreement with you. I, I think, I think, I, yeah, I think a modern-day goalkeeper like if you can't use your feet, you're not a professional footballer. Like these footballers, it's not difficult to pick out a pass. Like it's really not. If you've not got the composure, knowing that you've got a striker coming to you and you can't get rid of it, leave the pitch. <laughs> well, they should do for what they're paid. Mm. But yeah, that's what I mean. Like these foot, the keepers, nine out of ten times are failed footballers, right? Like, they, they go in net because they couldn't quite hack it when they were about six or seven, and they go in net, and then they become amazing. But they're still training with some of the best teams. You watch any sort of training videos, keepers hit some of the best free kicks you'll ever fucking see. They are brilliant with the ball. I, and I always reference, there was a goal in the 2006 World Cup, Argentina scored a goal. You probably remember what John won about. He had, what, 26, 27 passes in it. Yeah, I remember that. That doesn't happen if a, if a defender shits himself and lumps it upfield. Who were they playing, though? Oh, God, I can't remember. <laughs> I imagine it was somewhere, someone like yeah, Panama. 14 years ago. <laughs> 14 years ago. But the, the point still stands like, I, I'm in complete disagreement. I want my defenders and goalkeeper to play the ball. I love, especially Edison. Watching Edison is a joy. For a keeper to start counter-attacks the way he can, he can spread passes better than most central midfielders can. Mm. Like, if you can do that and be a top keeper, like, why not? And like, we go, what you said, Lee, about um, the England team where we've got world-class players and on the day, I think that is the biggest problem because on his day, Jordan Pickford is a fantastic fucking goalkeeper. Jordan Pickford on his day is one of the best shot stoppers in the Premier League. Mm. 
but he just doesn't have enough days anymore. And that, I think that's the biggest problem. But no, I'm in, I'm in complete disagreement with the four of you. Like, I want my keepers and defenders to be able to play the ball. We signed Harry Maguire because he's a ball-playing centre-back. And he, he's, been, he's been better at it this season, don't get me wrong. But go on, Chris. No, all I was going to say was Jordan Pitt is not the best shot stopper in the league because he's not saving the shots that he should be saving. That derby, he made a fantastic... I can't remember, someone. he was a header off someone and he made an amazing save. But let's be honest, yeah, in the current laws of the game, Mane was offside. Now, we all hate Liverpool, but none of us think that was offside. None of us think Mane was offside. There's, no. there's not a fucking chance in hell. Why is Pitford not saving that? If that, if that was the old offside rules, Pickford's cost you the derby again. Again. Mm. Yeah. For the second time in three seasons, he's cost you the derby again. Yeah. It's not good enough. I'm not, say, I'm not saying it is good enough, and I'm not saying that his distribution warrants his starting place. So I, I fully think that Olsen should be starting for Everton now, just like I think even Nick Pope or Alex McCarthy should be starting for England. But this, this whole idea of keepers are there to save and save only, I think is, is so wrong. Like They have to be able to do both, in my opinion. Like De Gea got found out for it for a while, and he's, he's got better, but he's still not wonderful. Romero was really good for it, and we can tell when Romero plays for United... Um, unfortunately, we're not going to see him play for United for a while now because he's not in any squad, is he? Uh, Romero's distribution is outstanding. He he almost looks lazy when he plays, but he's just so nonchalant and casual that the way he spreads the ball is brilliant. I think I don't remember anything that the keepers do with the ball to feet. Like I think I think Allison's a good keeper because I've seen some of the saves that he makes. Like I think De Gea is a fantastic keeper because I've seen some of the saves that he makes. Not once have I ever seen a keeper spread a passing for what what a great keeper. Watch Ed, if you watch Edison on a semi like regular basis and see that most of City's counter attacks start from Edison. Do you remember the United Liverpool game actually last season where Salah scored that last minute winner? It was two 0 It came from Allison's distribution. If that is Allison's distribution, or did it come from us trying to push for an equaliser? Well, yeah, but the key, your keeper's got to have the ability to find that pass. Brandon, Willi- Brandon Williams isn't finding that pass. And he's an, outf- and he's an outfielder. How dare you? I love Brandon Williams. <laughs> I love Brandon Williams, but I'm just making that comparison. Like, a goalkeeper's have to have the level of distribution as at least a centre midfielder, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Lee, I cut across you then. I'm right. go. All I was going to say was... One of my issues with this whole playing out from the back stuff is not necessarily the goalkeeper, but more to do with the insistence of doing it even when it's not going well. So the Man United obviously I use because I think that they're the biggest culprits from what I've seen so far is that they're so insistent on playing out from the back even when it's not working um, that it just goes wrong too often. And the amount of mistakes we've seen that have led to goals from, from Man United's defence is ridiculous over the past couple of seasons because of their insistence to just carry on doing something that's going wrong. And it, it baffles me. Like It doesn't necessarily happen against the bigger teams all the time because mostly they'll have the ball a bit more than we do or they're, they're letting ours, our defence have the ball so that we can sort of so they can crowd us out in the middle of the park. So one of the things I noticed, um, especially with um, City Liverpool, for example, the other day, was that Liverpool's forwards were doing an incredible job of cutting off the passing lanes to Rodri so that the ball couldn't get through. They didn't need to press City's defence because they couldn't find that first ball. And City were still continuously playing out from the back and they were refusing to, to do anything different and go try and go long. Now, one thing I say all the time, especially with Man United, is that they continuously try and play out from the back even when they're getting pressed and they'll lose the ball more often. Yet, when a whole team is pressing up against you when you're playing around the back, surely it makes sense to me to put a ball in behind. Like The defence and the whole midfield are pressed up. So if you've got forwards like Marcus Rashford, Anthony Martial, sitting on the shoulders of defenders and they're expecting you to try and pass it around the back somehow. Goalkeeper over the top into the spaces in the in the channels by either side of the of the goal of the um of the box and get the defenders turning. 
because then that makes the players second guess. They think, right, well, they're not just going to try and pass it around the back now for the rest of the half or for the next 10 minutes. Am I going to press them or are they going to put it in behind us? And that's the problem, I think, that there's not enough variety nowadays. You either are a team who hoofs it up or you're a team who plays it around the back. And that's it. There's no in-between. I think that's where that's what gets me most with this as an issue. Well, is that not an issue with how the teams line up? Because I'll mm-hmm. take I'll take United as an example. If we can't, if we're struggling, I'll, the United Southampton game last season, the two-two, where they pressed us high for ninety minutes. I don't want the Hay lumping it up to Martial because he's not winning a single header. No, like we're basically just giving them the ball, and then he's also not good enough to find that long pass behind. That's where you need someone who is like an Edison and Allison or Pickford who can find the pass. I get exactly what you're saying, but I think United's like reluctance to change is just purely because we haven't got the out ball. We have got no out ball whatsoever for that front line. One matter was playing right wing. Yeah. He's not going to win the headers. Like, if you're going to lump it forward, it needs to go wide. And our two wide players on weekend were Mata and Rashford. Yeah. Rashford, who still can't jump properly because of his back, and Mata is about four foot 12. <laughs> I did notice that one of the main issues for us against Everton, um, and they scored their first goal from it, was they won every single header that came over. Yeah. A flick on. It was a flick on from Calvert-Lewin to Bernard, who slotted it home. And there was a period where... I think it was Lindelof missed three headers in a row, like lost three headers in a row. It was just a simple ball up to Calvert-Lewin who got the flick on three, three times in a row. And I'm thinking that's an issue. If, if, if he's losing that header, then Maguire should be going up for challenging it, not Lindelof who keeps getting beaten because those flicks on is what's costing us. And I, I noticed it so often it was pissing me right off. I was like, someone else go and do that job because he's obviously not doing it properly. Well, it was Lindelof's goal. It was Lindelof's fault, rather, for that goal anyway, I thought. Because wasn't Lindelof the one that was, like, as slow as fuck to fucking close Bernard down? Yeah. No, it was Wan-Bissaka. Wan-Bissaka kept it was Wan-Bissaka. I thought it was Lindelof's fault. I had it in my, in my mind that it was Lindelof that was closing him down at the time. Do you know who's, um, do you know who's awful at playing the ball out from the back? Leeds United. They're the ones I think of the most. Leeds United. They, they insist every game on playing the ball out from the back and they have conceded so, 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 so many goals. Stop it. Stop it. Don't do it. Don't do it anymore. If you're a Leeds United defender, listen. If you're a Leeds United defender listening to Four Manks One Toffee podcast, <laughs> firstly, welcome. Secondly, put your fucking foot through the ball and get out of the area. Stop it. I fucking mean it. It stresses me out watching him. It stresses me out, mate. If you can't they, do they it, play, clear it. They play some of the best football in the league and it stems from playing from the back, mate. Yeah, they've, been, they've struggled the last two games because of no Calvin Phillips. That is a fact. What's so your saying? Calvin Phillips would have been responsible for scoring four more goals and then getting a 5-4 over Palace. It's not just that, mate. No, but, getting... no we're, play, we're playing out from the back. Like, you're talking about that not scoring goals. No, I'm I'm talking about conceding goals. Like, just don't what's do that it. Play like back? Lead. What's what's? Play they didn't, they didn't concede from counter attacks. They didn't concede from counter attacks. They didn't concede from mistakes at the back. So you're telling me from watching Leeds United all season, they've not conceded any goals from being sloppy at the back and giving up possession. No, of course they have. Yeah, but it's more apparent this week, this last few weeks, because Calvin Phillips hasn't been there. No, I think it's deeper than that. I think he lies even that. Listen, Phillips is Phillips has been a good player for Leeds this season, and I think he is. I agree with you on that. I think he is being massively missed by Leeds, but they have a lot of fucking problems, a lot of problems, Leeds. My writing shit, Danny. So if you struggle with any of those, mate, just let me know. Fucking hell, bias. Good job working on the bookies at one point, isn't it? <laughs> But you've seen some bloody bad handwriting, haven't you? Hey, I can I can basically read hieroglyphics. Fucking hell, lad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you know, do you know when I said before, you know when I was like trying to defend my maths and stuff before? Yeah. I don't know why I did that, because I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> Sensational. Right. So what we're all laughing at here is um, Chris's handwriting is he's just banged over the uh, prediction sheet from last weekend. 
And uh, we've decided to make a bit of a, a game of it, haven't we, boys? Um, predictions for game weeks. One point for a result and two points for a correct score. Now, there are only four participants this week as one of the five decided can't be asked. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even um, remember what I put. What did I put? I'm tallying scores on the doors, but I just want to confirm to everyone, Josh, you're on nothing, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I had a wobble, and forgive me. <laughs> Although, looking at these scores, we won't be much further ahead of you, because it was a weird weekend again, once again, boys, wasn't it? Yeah. Very weird weekend. So, oh, do you know what? I was close on two of them. So we're starting with Brighton v Burnley, which no one gave a fuck about. Yeah, uh, no, everyone, it was nil-nil, wasn't it? It was nil-nil. No one got it right. Everyone I'd have said draw. I'd have said draw. Do you know what? I actually believe you. Yeah, to be <laughs> fair. Yeah, I always predict draws. <laughs> uh, did anyone watch it? No. Next. No. no. When was it? Oh, Friday. Yeah, it was the R5 on a Friday. Why are they putting games on an R5 on a Friday? It's all at work. I, I like it, though, because I'm on the train back from work, so I'm watching it on my phone. Yeah, I see, I don't mind it because I'm back on furlough, so, like, it's sound for me. It's sound Friday entertainment, but like you said, Lee, people that are still in work, like... Yeah. What's up what? with him? What, what's up with Colin? He works from home, doesn't he? Well, I do, so I don't know why I'm taking a piss. I'm more, I'm, I, think, I think the more apt question is, why are they not just... Automatically relegating Brighton and Burnley because about fucking shit. <laughs> Literally, right? we were talking a couple of weeks ago about Brighton's league position and not representing who they are as a club and the football they play. At what point do we admit Brighton oh, right. are shit? Mm, I predicted yeah. them to go down this season. It's looking good so far. Yeah, and that's why they're on at five o'clock on a Friday when everyone's <laughs> and they can't watch it. <laughs> you won't sit there and suffer. <laughs> it's a great fucking point. Uh, Southampton, Newcastle. We had all four of us. Sorry, Josh. I'm just I'm, I'm eliminating you from this. Uh, all four of us getting the result right. Well, the yeah, the game winner and Dale, myself, and Chris all predicted two nil. You bastards. Yeah, we smashed out, didn't we, boys? I had too much faith in Newcastle, obviously. That's three points each, that. Yeah, that's bias. That, that was your dad. Yeah. Is that it three or two? Your two. Oh, we two for correct score, one for... Two for correct score and one for correct result. Yeah. Oh, two, sorry, yeah, two, sorry. Do you know what? I think it should be three for for correct score because it's harder to get the correct score right, isn't it? Yeah, we'll do it like Premier League then, yeah. Yeah, do do three for correct score and one for correct score. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Rule me out of the game altogether. <laughs> Lee, Lee, you've just given us extra points here, mate. Well, I'm uh, thinking of myself. Further you know it's got to be a unanimous decision, that, and I vote no. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have had a request uh, for one of my mates who listens to the podcast to have a little chat about Southampton right now. Um, first time they've hit the league t- top of the table in about, what, 40 years? Mm, Played yeah. fantastic football. They are fucking brilliant at the moment. Did you see that they'd um, released T-shirts of their league position? <laughs> yeah. That's Stop. quality. That. that is the kind of football banter I like to see. The, the fact that they changed the whole Twitter account to mm-hmm. let everyone know that they were top of the Premier yeah. League. Brilliant. Fantastic. That's like releasing a song when you're top of the league after four games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, um, they look really good. Um, somebody said Andy was saying like, I think the biggest turnaround from this season has been the centre-backs. Uh, Vestergaard has turned from Vestergaard into Beckenbauer, hmm. which I haven't seen enough to make that comparison myself, but if that's what he's saying, I'm taking it. Hmm. But now they've got two top-form strikers. Well, not anymore. But one's no, injured. Anymore. On the ball. He didn't stop, them from win- didn't stop them from not scoring. Che Adams yeah. scored a brilliant goal again. Um if it wasn't for Carl Darlow and his heroics, it could have been yeah, way yeah. more than two. Did anyone go on Twitter after the game? Only to see their, their Twitter I, I saw an absolutely banging tweet. And it was something along the lines of, I wonder if Southampton are Westlife fans because they're flying without Ings. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that is a banger, that. I'm sorry, but that, that is right up my street in terms of comedy, that. Yeah. I mean, I'm... I'm just looking at their next 
four fixtures. Wolves away. Oh, easy. We've got us at home. Oh, Brighton away. And then Sheffield United at home. 12 points. I was, I was thinking they could easily get 12 points there. Yeah. At least nine. At least nine. Yeah, yeah three of them are definitely games. against us. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've got so much faith in our boys, haven't we? Which is why only Lee predicted us to win on Saturday. <laughs> I would have done. And, and I'm not even just saying that. I did say in the group, didn't I, boys? I fancy it today. Yeah. But I wouldn't have said 3-1. It would have been 2-1, probably. Yeah. We had uh, me and Dale predicting losses, 2-0 and 2-1. Chris, 1-1 draw. And Lee, you got a 3-0 win to United. You were one off. Yeah. bit more faith in my boys, please, mate. We, we, don't, need to, <laughs> we don't need to talk about that game anymore. We've done enough damage. Yeah. Uh, Palace leads. Uh, me and Chris, are we going to put the gloves back on while we're talking about Leeds or? <laughs> Please do. <laughs> I don't need to fight you over something that I know I'm right about. <laughs> right, well, I need to fight you because I need to prove that you're wrong. <laughs> this sounds like my household with the missus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you what, boys. Fair fucking play to Crystal Palace. Yeah, good performance. I don't think any... I think I said this a couple of weeks ago and I'm going to say it again. I don't think any of us thought that they had the performances in them this season no. that they brought out. They've been brilliant. Yeah. I think I said it on the, on, the, on the last podcast last week, I think I thought Palace might be a bit of, a, a bit of an awkward one mm. for Leeds, but I didn't, I didn't expect it to be a scoreline like that, to be honest. I think I predicted 2-1 or something along those lines to Palace, but 4-1, didn't see that coming. Easy. I think I think when we got into it about five minutes ago, Chris, I know what you're saying. Leeds are the makers of their own downfall. Yeah, like they really, really do not help themselves in the slightest. They are fantastic going forward, but fuck me, defensively they are all over the gaff. And it's a good job they're as good as they are going forward, because they're going to need to be to stay in the division. Do you know what though? And I, I can't believe I'm going to do this, but I'm going to stick up for Leeds United. Everyone, I think because of the Bielsa factor and the fact that he had a good few first games and they nearly got a result against Liverpool and then they got a great result against City and all the rest of it. Are, are we and the media very, very guilty of forgetting that Leeds have just come up from the Championship? I think so. Yeah. They're a Championship team with a couple of Premier League players thrown in. And I think we need to remember that. And when, when, you, when you take that into consideration, the Leicester game is not a shock whatsoever because Leicester came fifth last season. And Palace, is it really, is it really a shock that Palace turned Leeds over? That was to me. But it's, it, it, I, I, mean, I think it was shocking yeah, the score. Like, yeah. score like. I'm taking Palace as Palace from last season. And I need to stop yeah. doing that because Palace are a different team this season. Yeah. SA has come in and has made that attacking front line look really fucking good. I think Josh, me and you talked about it a good few months ago that if they've got Essay on one side and Zaha on the other, yeah, suddenly looking at two really class wingers. Mm. Um, defensively, like they're always a pain in the ass. defensively, Palace. like We know that they're able to go and play against. Um, I see Leeds a bit like Wolves. Yeah. I think, I feel like they've been in the division a lot longer than they actually have been. Mm. Like, yeah. I still keep forgetting that Wolves have only been in the Premier League, what, three seasons? Yeah, three seasons, three. yeah. Like, that's still baffling to me because it feels like they've been there forever. And I think Leeds are the same. And maybe that is that big club factor. Maybe it's because they were a staple of my childhood in the Premier League. Yeah. I mean, do you, I think, do it's... you think Leeds... Uh, who, was, who was on loan at Leeds last year from Brighton? Was it White? Was it White? White. White, yeah. Do you think they are massively missing him? Yeah. 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 They tried the hardest to sign him, didn't they? I think he was their number one target. Definitely stupid money for him as well, weren't they? I've heard Liverpool are in for him this summer, this uh, this January. I've heard he's he's the big name that's getting floated about. Who's he wouldn't surprise? He wouldn't shot me. No, wouldn't shot because you would go to Liverpool from Brighton, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, don't you? One hundred percent. Thought you would. I go to Crew from Brighton, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Chelsea, Sheffield. Boys, Sheffield are in serious fucking trouble. They are. Definitely gone. It's such a a weird situation because last season they were 
they were amazing. They were absolutely brilliant. And this year, I mean, if they carry on the way they're going, Chris Wilder looks like he could be one of the first managers to go. And it sounds horrible because he got them up and he got them to finish in a great position last year, considering they were newly promoted. They played some amazing football. They got some amazing results against big teams. And this year, it's like watching a different different fucking club. I mean, where are they now? The bottom, stone dead last, one point. And we all think that Fulham are going to be the worst team in the Premier League this year. They've got four points now. And now one against Fulham. They've had a shocking start, though, Sheffield United. They have. Apart from Fulham, who they should have beat, let's face it, they should have beat Fulham. That's the issue. They've had an awful, awful run of fixtures. And it, after the international break, it gets considerably better for Sheffield United. But do you, but is the majority done? Yeah, do you think exactly what Danny is going on to? Like, their confidence is, like, yeah. rock bottom at the moment. Mm. So, you know, if they'd have maybe got a couple of points on the road, you know, like hard-fought points against teams like Chelsea. They might have taken some confidence into those games and, and got the three points and started slowly building their way back up. Or is it confidence is is shot now and these games that they should be winning, they might draw, they might lose a couple. I imagine they'll pick up a couple of three points here and there because that some of the, the football that they played for their goal against Chelsea was fantastic. It was a really well-worked goal. But it was it was like Everton, you know, like as soon as that went in, like everything, oh, the the master plan went out the window. Then they got a goal, they got overexcited, and then Chelsea started running riot with them. I think the missing fans as well. Yeah, they haven't have, have been a bit unlucky, and I think in some games, I say I don't think they've deserved to only only get one point from what the first eight games. I think they have. I think I think the hard work and whatever has probably earned them. I feel a few more extra points than that, but I think Chelsea. I think the Chelsea game was the first game. I think they actually they were absolutely crucified. Mm. Yeah, it could have been a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, I'll be honest. I think they've. I think they may have just wasted a twenty million on that Rian Brewster as well. I think he's oh, gone yeah. to the wrong club. I think he's gone to the, the wrong club. I don't. I think he's shit. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. championship striker. Yeah, he, he was good at. He was decent at Swansea last year, wasn't he? But I think Swansea played a completely different style of football. That was going to be my but, point. And he got the opportunities. He got the opportunities to to get the goals and get the you know get in the box, get the get the shots off. I, I just can't see that happening with Sheffield United. I just can't see him getting those sort of opportunities just with the way they play. Um, I think they've possibly just may have wasted twenty million on 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 the wrong signing. Yeah, I know. I know they were looking for goals, and that's what they liked last year. But <clears throat> listen, right? I'm I'm no room to speak because I play I play Sunday nights in Reddish, like, and he plays for a Premier League team. But he is Dwight Gale. He is a Championship striker. Yeah. So some and that that is no insult. Like I don't mean any disrespect when I say that because to play at the Championship and to be prolific in the Championship is some mean feat, something that none of us have ever done. None of my friends have ever done. I don't know anyone that's ever played in the championship. No. That is no disgrace. Like you are in the top bracket of people in the entire world to play in the championship. It's a better league than some Premier Leagues in around. Yeah, around exactly. The world. But there is a ceiling to championship strikers, and I feel like players like Brewster, like Dwight Gale, mm. to after the first seven or eight weeks, Timu Puki last season, Mitrovic. I think these types of players are proving that this jump from the championship to the premiership is just too much for them. What do you think? So, yeah. what do you think it is that makes that happen, though? Like, oh, they can't. So, especially since some of the clubs obviously go down from the Premier League into the championship, yeah. and then you win the championship. Mm-hmm. When I think the winners of the championship are always going to be around about the same level as maybe the the bottom five of the Premier League, bottom yep. six, maybe maybe seven at a stretch, depending on how tight it was. So what's happened where they come up to the Premier League? Is it the they can't deal with the physicality? They can't deal with the pace of the game? They're, they're just not sharp enough to to make that extra run? They've not got the football announced to, to get on the end of crosses or get into the box at the near post in front of a defender? Like, what is it that makes a, a player not quite good enough for the Premier League, but 
just a, a good strike for the championship. It's a strange one. I don't think it's got anything to do with physicality or fitness because the championship's one of the most physically demanding leagues okay. in the in the world. I'd say. I think it's games. yeah. I think it's ability. Yeah. I think listen, it goes. You, you can go back even longer than than Danny said. Like you've got the likes of bleeding. Robert Earnshaw is a great example. Yeah. Um, Michael Chopra, he was another one. Adam Lafondra. Adam Lafondra, yeah, you, you know, you, still Vanity Banks Blake. Oh, what a guy! You've done it. You've you pulled the name out. What yes. an absolute player. Yes. Nugent, mate. Nugent's another one. Was... Look at us. We're, we're reminiscing about these players because we know that at one level they are fantastic, and it's just that, like you said, it, it's not the physicality for me. I'm in complete agreement with you. It's the maybe it is that just intelligence to know. Just when to get round that defender, yeah. when to pull the trigger. Maybe it might be pressure as well. Like we yeah. subconsciously might be thinking, you're playing yeah. Bristol City or you're playing Man United. Like it could be a subconscious thing. Well, do you think that with that in mind, then the that really highlights just how good the Premier League strikers are that score a lot, yeah. and also just how good the defenders are in the Premier League. Because while yeah. we all sit here and go, oh yeah, Harry Maguire is shit, or Tyro Mings is shit, or fucking Nathan Ake at City, why did they buy him is shit? They're like easily handling players that would score 15, 20 goals in the championship. And I yeah. think, is that the gulf then? And, and is this also leading to why seemingly world-class or top-level strikers in the Premier League are becoming almost harder and harder to come by? Because it... You don't see a lot of them anymore, do you? Like Harry Kane seems to stick out for me as being the top Premier League striker, and yeah. Jamie Vardy maybe, but that's because of his pace. Um, Vardy's interesting one. Vardy's a really, really interesting one. Seeing his rise from yeah. from non-league and Fleetwood and coming all the way up to the Premier League, like he is the anomaly almost. He's a fantastic finisher. Oh yeah, that's the thing with Vardy. He's, he's he's a speed merchant with some of the most lethal finishing you've he's, ever seen. He's got something that you just can't teach. That pace, I don't care how much you work at it, that is just God-given talent. Mm. Like you, you can't teach his pace. You can teach what you do in front of goal. And I remember watching a game a long time ago. I can't remember who he was playing for, but it was a game against County where he scored. And you could tell then that he was just levels above mm. everyone. Like The guy is just fucking... But then outside in- them two, who, who else? Raul Jimenez. He doesn't score that many goals, though. No, he doesn't. I was just thinking that. That's why I pulled my face when I said his name. <clears throat> I mean, if you were to look Aguero, at... Aguero, Aguero was injured half the season. We said not long ago, like, the, the age of the, the, you know, the classic number nine. You know, things go in cycles with football. We, we were saying before about the way that teams are playing in the Premier League at the moment. Like, you, you've either got a team who's obsessed with that high press yeah. or you've got teams who are obsessed with playing out from the back or... Everyone wants to play four, three, three now, and things just go around in cycles. Like in twenty, thirty years, you might be back to bleeding, lumping the ball over the top and four, four, two, and that's the way to go. But strikers just don't seem to be the in-demand thing at the moment. It seems to be more of a, an obsession with how can we make the front three or four more prolific and spread the goals around rather than just get that one focal point. Well, that's- which is an interesting because if you look at someone like Che Adams, hmm. who really struggled last season. Yeah. And Hasselhutten really like just put his faith in was like you will come good, you are going to make this partnership, and now he's looking like an actual Premier League striker. So I think that that gap can be bridged. Mm. I just think it maybe it takes the right manager, the right partnership, because mm. because I I don't know about you boys, but I've seen a lot more probably of Dwight Gale than I'd like to admit, <laughs> and yeah, so him him in the Championship, he is a fucking machine. And then I see him come on in the Premier League and it looks like he's got two left feet. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you think it's as well, like the, the, the players you've mentioned there, they've, they've all been a part of teams which have sort of been yo-yoing from the Premier League back to the Championship. So, yeah. you know, take, take Dwight Gale, for example. Um, he was at Newcastle in the Championship, bagging him for fun. He comes up to the Premier League in Newcastle. Do you, th- do you reckon... They might need two seasons before they start, 
you know, getting getting to grips with that league. I mean, look at you, like you take Jay Adams now, for example. Yes, he wasn't he wasn't prolific last year, but you can see there's glimpses there. This year, he's had those twelve months under his belt. He's still in the Premier League. He's probably now getting to grips with how the game's being played a little bit more. Um, you know, he might even see a better a better version of him sort of second half of the season uh, going on to next year as well. Um, might be I don't know. Might might be something to do with it. Might be way off, but. But I think that plays we've mentioned there, they've all been part of clubs which are sort of up and down in the league. Yeah. But then then it's really interesting as well to look on the other side of the coin <laughs> players like Michu, who come in from nowhere, have one storming season and then yeah. can't find all the next. What like guy. it's such a fucking weird league of the Premier League, isn't it? Well, on that note, we we're talking about strikers that, that can't do it in the Premier League after doing it in the championship. The current top 10 this season for goals, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Mohamed Salah, Son Heung-min and Jamie Vardy are all tied at number one with eight goals each. But then you've got, it says fifth, but basically joint second, Patrick Bamford. And then also one goal behind Patrick Bamford, Ollie Watkins. Yeah, I was thinking Callum Wilson recently relegated with Bournemouth, joint joint third effectively on six goals uh, for Newcastle and then you're looking at Bruno Fernandes Man United who's joint fourth as a midfielder Danny Ings on five goals Wilfred Zaha five goals Jack Grealish four goals so some of the strikers are doing all right Um, but then you look at last season's top ten or top five even Jamie Vardy you've got the likely candidates Jamie Vardy Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang who's done nothing this year so far, anyway. It's because they keep pushing them out wide, don't they? But um, but Danny Ings was joint second last year for Southampton, which is mad. Um, Raheem Sterling was... And I couldn't believe that I saw Raheem Sterling's name in the top four there because, from what I recall of watching City, I never see him score. And he always misses chances. And he always loses the ball. My dad hates him. When <laughs> we were watching Liverpool City the other day, he was like, oh, he's lost the ball again. He's lost the ball again. He's useless. He's, he dithers with it too much. But last season, fucking 20, 20 he goals. Last season. He got more goals than Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane last year that Raheem Sterling did. But but this is a point. I think it's an interesting, interesting topic of discussion. Like, where does that fine line come? But I also think that a lot of it, and it is down to luck. A lot of it is down to the right player in the right team at the right time with the right service and the right opposition. Because look at, uh, we, I mean, no, no disrespect to him, but Ollie Watkins, six goals. Look at the way Aston Villa are playing at the minute. Like, would he get that many goals if he had gone to, say, Brighton or Crystal Palace or another mid-table team? Do you know what I mean? It's it's right place, right time. It's like a Goldilocks, isn't it, of of situation yeah. to become well, that striker. You've hit the nail on the head there with a the combination. Like Ollie Watkins could go to Liverpool and he might not score six goals. I I think it's a combination between the ability of the player, the system of the team, and whether that suits the player and, and plays to their strengths. And I think the biggest one for a striker is instinct. Yeah. Like Van Nistelrooy, to, to cut it back to what is I'm sure <laughs> yeah and what I'm what I'm sure is a, a, a favourite of ours United fans that lad had instinct in spades like whenever he got the ball in and around the box it was a goal you always thought it was a goal you just knew he was going to fashion something and find some way of getting into the back of the net and I think I think that's got a lot to play for strikers as well I think instinct is a big thing mm-hmm. some strikers mm-hmm. definitely have it and some just don't and they'll go left when they should have gone right or they'll make the run too early when they should have held off and the things like that it's, it's your intelligence to a degree isn't it well it's funny important. it's funny you say that so when you said um, this season um, and you said about Van Nistelrooy I thought to myself well I'll tell you what because I've got it up in front of me I'm going to look at 10 years ago, like, like so the, the 10-11 season, I thought I'll have a look at, see see who finished where. Now, the first thing that struck me was the number of goals was a lot less than what it was, what it is now. So the top goal scorers, there were two joint on 20 each. And considering that was only like fourth, fifth place um, in 
in this in last year's, it was number one, Dimitar Berbatov, two joint Carlos second, Tevez. Carlos Tevez and Robin Van Persie was three. So if you if you're talking natural finishers with the right instinct, I mean they're kind of three of the three of the best. Now looking back in the, again another ten years, just for just for a bit of fun, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, twenty three goals. And then the... you'll never ever guess. You'll never guess. What season? What, 2000. Oh, 2000, 2001. Marcus Second. Stewart. Marcus Stewart. Marcus Stewart. Oh. Stewart. Fucking hell, Chris. It Town finished sixth that season. Thierry Henry finished above by two goals. Mark Viduka, Michael Owen, Teddy Sheringham, Emil Heskey, Kevin Phillips. It's just, it's mad to think that mm. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer was, uh, was up there as well, 15th. But um, the, the the lack of goals, really, in that season. Um, what it's also mad to think is that you boys entrusted me to uh, lead this next segment of predicting goals and we've ended up going 20 years down the line talking about Martin Stewart. You <laughs> 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 just want disrespect. Um, just going back to the uh, games, boys. Mm. Um, no, it is, it is mad. Like we could, we could talk all day about like the generations of strikers and like why certain strikers work in certain leagues. Like, just off the top of my head, thinking of players like Diego Forlan, who couldn't hack it in England, but then went and became one of the best strikers Europe's seen for years. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so strange. Uh, but you none of us. Segue, mate? Come. Do you want a segue, mate? Do you oh. know who's not a top class striker? What, the one that scored on weekend, Timo Werner? No. Do you know who's not a top class striker, mate? Me. Next game, Luckman. Oh. Yeah. We're going to kick off a segment. We said we we're going to kick off a segment. So I nominate, we kick off the segment right yeah. here. We are kicking off four months, one softy, dickhead of the week. Luckman, <laughs> you are the dickhead of the week. <laughs> Do you know what? I always see whenever, whenever a footballer does a, um, a penenka like that or does something mad or, or ballsy I always think to myself imagine if someone got that wrong like, I'm sure it happens more often than not but I'm not even sure got that wrong i tell you what a time not to get something like that wrong equalizer <laughs> in the 98th minute just leather it put your laces through it what's he thinking what is he trying to think that he'll become some sort of hero or is he really that confident and that stupid in his own ability that he thinks that that's the right time to do something like that and that says deeper issues for me at Fulham that they're not quite taking it seriously yeah I mean why is is Mitrovic not taking that yeah you're right that that is a fun that is the question I was going is he he not is he not their penalty is he not their number one striker he, he was on the pitch at the time I thought it was Tom Kearney. I thought it was the captain. I'm certain I remember seeing Kearney take a few penalties last season. But was he on? Yeah, he was. He was on the pitch at the time. I mean, it baffles me. It really does baffle me. I like to say that that at the end of the season, that could be a point that the Rooter regret. You know, that 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 could have saved. I mean, to be fair, probably won't. But um, <laughs> you know, you don't know, do you? You know, you don't know. But that could have been a vital point that. In the grand scheme of things, but very we could have potentially got that. Yeah, I don't know. Let, let's move on, lads, because honestly, I don't want to spend more than thirty seconds talking about Fulham because they're a fucking win in the Premier League. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dick of the Week, Adam Luckman. Thank you very much for claiming that award. Um, and we all had um, West Ham beating Fulham, but nobody to the right scoreline. Uh, West Brom Spurs. We all had the right result, just none of us with the right scoreline. They left it late, didn't they, boys? Yeah, and it was a good header as well. Great. It, I I really like Sam Johnston. I feel like mm. in another era, he would have came and stayed with United and potentially been in the role that Dean Henderson's in yeah. right now. But he was caught out there. He was caught in absolute no-man's land mm. for that header. You've yeah. either got to come and take everyone out in front of you or you stay on your line and you catch that ball. You cannot come three yards and then get lost. No, hesitated. Yeah, and he did. Re- he did well, though, Kane, to get up between those two defenders and and get a, a nick on it. Like it's incredible striker movement. I think just oh, yeah. goes to show he's the. I think he's the, the best striker in the world at the minute, bar Lewandowski. Uh, I mean, he, can't think of anyone better than him. 
interestingly, I was just looking at the stats there. In the first half, Tottenham had one one goal attempt in the yeah. first half. Let's go watch that. In the in the second half, they had eighteen. So <laughs> he might he might you know thoroughly deserve the winning the end in my books. <laughs> Linking back to something you just said there, like earlier about Sheffield United, where you said that they might nick a point here and there, and that like might help them with some confidence. I think that's what West Brom have done. I think getting that point against Chelsea, mm. and I can't remember who else they nicked a point off. Um, but they play with a team that he, he, they look way more confident than Sheffield United. And they've absolutely no right to, but maybe they, they've shown and proven that they can score against the bigger teams. Mm. And I think they're only one or two defensive mistakes away from you know seeing out a game like the one against Spurs. Yeah, they've just they've just not they've not got a win on the board yet, and they need they to have. get that soon. They have well, yeah. three they three Fulham. draws, five losses. Well, I think it is. But they beat Fulham. West Brom did. No, Fulham beat them. Fulham beat them. Fulham beat them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry, I'm reading. I'm reading wrong. Yeah. That's my point. If you're getting beat by Fulham, yeah, going down. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're going down. Don't get me wrong. Like they're absolutely going down. And and glad as well. They should never come up anyway. No. Um, Please, anyway, second team. I know. Yeah. Fucking a. Um, probably the most disappointing game of the weekend for me, which I hyped up as potentially the best week game of the weekend: Leicester versus Wolves. Oh, I watched that. It was shit, wasn't it? Yeah, it was boring. They proper cancelled each other out. But I tell you what, though, Leicester City, you know, fair play. That was a tough game. That was a really resilient Wolves team. Um, and we'll talk about VAR in the next spot because it's yeah, everyone's favourite every, everyone's favorite topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but a controversial penalty. That first one was never a penalty. No. Fuck VAR because we'll refer back to Patrick Bam- Bamford in the uh, yeah. in the next segment. Um, but they sit top of the table. Do you know, good lads. The, I think Brendan Rodgers will have it in him this year. He'll he'll really be going for it because he got so close to Liverpool, um, and they've got each other next. That's going to be yeah. an absolute cracker as well. Um, Go on, Lee. No, I was just saying that I think that Leicester and Spurs could be ones to watch because Spurs are grinding out wins uh, under Mourinho. And it's it's a little bit ominous at the minute. Um, yeah. I can't wait for Spurs to start playing Leicester at uh, Liverpool and City to see how they really are this year. My question was going to be, like you said about Brendan Rodgers, he's just gone up to Scotland and has done nothing but win silverware. Now, don't don't get it twisted. That league is wank. Yeah. Or he's gone three, four seasons where he has consistently won a title. So he knows how to keep a team in check to keep beating other teams. We've seen them do it. Chris, put your fucking hand down right now. <laughs> We've seen them do it once before. And I think this Leicester team is better than that Leicester team. Yeah. Could we... Are we genuinely looking at a title contender in Leicester this season? No. Is it still too early to say? <laughs> Not for Dale. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Oh, so no. <laughs> no for me, Daniel. Next. <laughs> why, not, why not, Dale? Why not? Um, I, just, I think Europe might catch up with him, to be honest. It's a good point. Yeah. And they've already, they've already got four key players out. So, Chu, Pereira, Ndidi, Castagna, they're starting 11 players. Um, and what if, they, what if they played three European games? As well? Although, to counter-argument, they've had them missing for a while and they sat top of the Premier League. Yeah. Imagine, like when they come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is that, but I don't know. I just, I just think, yeah. That James the... Justin for them looks fantastic. Mm. Yeah. yeah, looks great. That table looks really good for Fana at centre yeah. back. Oh. oh god, yeah. How do they right. keep finding these? Ne- like, is it Pappy Mendy? <laughs> they got rid of fucking their scout and sent him to Everton and got a better one. Yeah. While Everton signed Alex Iwobi. It's like <laughs> well, bag of shit. <laughs> Mendy is, is like someone's 3D printed another Kante. He's been there. F- he's been there five years. You know. Has he? He's been there. F- they signed him as soon as they saw Kante. 
he does exactly the same job and in exactly the same way and goes about those business in exactly the same way and runs just as much as Kante did. It's like a... I don't know. Like, Dale's not convinced. What about you three? Like, are you seeing Leicester as title contenders? I'm still on a move because you mentioned Scottish football, mate. We're having a good time here. <laughs> Listen, I can only talk about what he's done in the last few years. I don't want to talk about. I don't want to talk about his time at the Scousers. Mm. I don't I know. With, with Leicester, if if Vardy gets injured with this sort of like you know he's got European football there and international breaks in between, we didn't have a full break between last season and this season because of COVID. And obviously, all the managers have been complaining about it, haven't they? Klopp and, and Pep Guardiola have been coming out and saying other other countries have got breaks. Uh, why have we got such a hectic schedule? They've been complaining about it for ages. And I think even more so, I think Pep Guardiola came out, didn't he? And he said after their game, um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, English international, injured now. It's with these soft muscle tissue injuries that they keep putting up with because of the schedules they've got. Yeah. If the same happens to Vardy, where do their goals come from? Mm, I am not sure about with that stuff. Yeah. I think yeah. They, did, they did this last season though as well, didn't they? I mean, they, they were brilliant up till about Christmas. Yeah, and then that second half of the season, they had whatever reason. Vardy weren't scoring; they weren't winning. Um, you know, for whatever reason that was, it just went downhill after that. Um, so I mean, will we will we see something similar? But I, yeah, I, I'd I'd still think it, it's going to be personally me, Liverpool and City. It's going to be one of them two, I think. Still. Well, m- moving on to Liverpool and City. They played out a very, very boring, very exciting first half. Yeah. yeah. First half was fantastic, but second half, fuck me, fire. Yeah, it was, it was a really, really boring second half. I had yeah. everything first half other than sending off. Brilliant, wasn't it? <laughs> it's a shame. I'm not just saying this from an Evertonian point of view, but it is a shame that uh, Kevin De Bruyne didn't score his penalty because I think that would have made the second half much better. If Liverpool had to go for it, that might have changed things. Yeah. So I mean, scared to give up the, uh, the the hard-earned point, I think, second half. I, mean, I think City are looking poor, man. I mean, yeah. City are looking really poor. Yeah, they've not, they're not firing on all cylinders. And this is something that you said last week, I think, Dale, that they're just yeah. not... Both of them just don't seem to have hit the ground running. And that's my argument with Leicester because this is another perfect season for them where the, no one really seems to be firing on all cylinders. The, the title, the, the first spot is like a hot potato at the moment. Mm. Everyone's chopping and changing. Leicester and Spurs, like you said, Lee, are the two teams that are really consistent up there. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if Brendan Rodgers can go up to Scotland and win the Premier League there with Celtic, he can do anything, can't he? Thanks for listening to another episode of the podcast. To support us, please follow us on social media by searching for at 4Manx1Soffy on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. You can also subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast stations, including Spotify, Google and Apple Podcasts and Anchor, as well as YouTube. Just search for 4Manx1Soffy. Thanks from myself, Lee, Danny, Dale and Josh, and we'll catch you next time.